0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Roger's News. Well, I mean, the, the goal that uh, that I have, uh, should that you know everything uh, come to fruition with, with Twitter, is uh, to have a, a, a service that is broadly as broadly inclusive as possible, um, where ideally uh, most of America is, is on it and and talking. You know,
1: and, um... That was Elon Musk back in May, sounding cautiously optimistic about his plans to buy Twitter for a whopping $44 billion. The latest twist in this M&A drama is our focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, the podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlin, coming to you from London. Elon Musk is full of surprises. It turns out after much toing, froing, and a threatened lawsuit, the CEO of Tesla is in fact keen on buying the social media giant. My colleague Laura Silvellofson, U.S. editor of Breaking Views, and our M&A guru Jonathan Gifford offered their expertise on what Musk is likely to do now that he's been given a month reprieve from a lawsuit brought against him after he retracted his offer. Is he likely to go ahead with the deal? And what happens if he doesn't? Stay tuned to find out.
2: Lauren silva Laughlin, the U.S. editor, and here with Jonathan Guilford, our M&A guru who, for the past, oh, I don't know, half of a lifetime, has been looking at Elon Musk and Twitter. Jonathan, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right.
2: Have you been uh, losing some sleep over this deal?
0: Oh, you know, me, several lawyers in Delaware, uh, most hedge funds on the street, we've all been losing sleep. (laughs)
2: Yeah, the only person not losing sleep, I think, is Elon Musk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So maybe you can kind of tee up the saga, which kicked off in early April and has taken many, many twists and turns. It's still ongoing, but there were some further twists and turns kind of last week.
0: Sure. Yeah, twists and turns. Good Good way to put it. So back in April, we had Elon kind of jump into Twitter with a big investment. He, at the time, nominally supposed to be a passive investor. I think we've discovered since then that uh, that was never really the case. Twitter kind of tried to welcome him with open arms, uh, invited him to join the board. Elon at first was kind of jumping in with both feet, then decided, well, no, that sounds kind of boring, kind of threw that invite back in the board's face, uh, and then turned around and made an offer to acquire Twitter. Twitter kind of looked around at what was happening and said, uh, yeah, sure, we'll we'll take a price at, at what looks to be top-ticking the market. Immediately kind of entered into a deal with no due diligence on Elon's part, importantly, and no auction being run. Uh, and then very quickly after that, Elon decided he was kind of bored of that idea too and tried to terminate the deal. And since then, we've just been in kind of this back and forth fight over, does Elon have to actually follow through on the contract he signed and acquire Twitter?
2: And then last week, like after months of of elon sort of taking twitter's business and business model and throwing it under the bus we woke up on like i don't know what monday tuesday morning and lo and behold musk had yet again changed his mind
0: Yeah, that's right. So we had some reports coming in, and then that was kind of shortly followed by a filing. Elon, apparently just uh, unprovoked, sent a letter to Twitter's board saying that he was ready to actually do the deal to close on the original terms. So that was kind of a big about face because we were getting ready for a trial to start in the Delaware Court of Chancery over this.
2: And then sort of through the course of the week, there was a bit, it seemed like there was sort of a bit of back and forth between Musk and Twitter, and there were some people who were showing up in court, including, according to some reports, bankers who were saying, yeah, Musk says he's going to close this deal, but we haven't heard from him. And there were some questions about good faith. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the week, the judge came out and said, okay, Musk, we're giving you some time, which was sort of the the interesting part for me. But I think like everybody else in the world who's watching this deal, people at Breaking View slightly disagree about what's coming next, right? So from my standpoint, I was like, hey, this is interesting because we get to the end of the week, no deal. Now the judge has sort of pushed back a potential court date. Assuming that Musk closes the deal, or at least giving Musk some time to close a deal by the end of this month. But at the end of the day, investors have neither a deal nor a court date. And Musk, in the end, has some extra time to kind of play around with things. And so it's like, who's actually winning here? I am sort of a Musk skeptic, but um, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think?
0: I think it's kind of hard to be anything other than a Musk skeptic at this point, right? Because, like, it's how true. many decisions have he, ma- has he made preventual. that have lasted? Uh... have lasted for any period of time when it's come to agreeing with anything with twitter um i mean look it was kind of strange right like clearly the twitter board was not willing to just kind of take a handshake from musk here he was saying you know pause the trial i'll get this thing closed it's totally fine but the board clearly wanted some kind of binding agreement from delaware right like they were huddling with the judge kind of trying to get something ironed out that would commit elon to really actually performing this deal um Musk, for his part, kind of wanted this condition on financing coming together. He, you know, really did not want to be deposed, it seemed. So ultimately, kind of what happened was Twitter, you know, possibly wary of this just being another move in the chess game, um, was having trouble coming to the table. The judge kind of stepped in to, to push this thing forward, gave Elon until the 28th of this month. Uh, to close. And if that doesn't happen, then we're kind of right back where we started.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So like, here are the loose ends, right? We have financing as a loose end. We have this Twitter bot issue that Musk has been harping on for months. That's a loose end. And then we have Twitter's actual business model, which to me seems like a loose end. And between now and the end of the month, we have another sort earnings event from Twitter. Um, and. So I kind of wonder like all the things that you just talked about and these two points of views, right. There's, there's the sort of Musk is going to have to close this thing by the end of the month. And then there's the, like, Musk is playing games and he's got another trick up his sleeve. And I just wonder if, like both of these things are, are sort of like right now true, you know? And the question is like the what's up Musk sleeve, like, whether or not those things are good enough to keep him from closing the deal at the end of the month, and I kind of wonder if he even knows what those things are. Right, like, that's kind of skeptical, right? Like, like he could just—he's just—he might just be like, "Look, I'm. Time will tell. I don't know." Like the rest
1: <laughs> of us, he might. Well, know that's that. kind of the know. problem
0: with that's kind of the problem with trying to game out Musk, right? Because you're like, "Oh, what trick does he have up his sleeve?" And you're thinking, maybe <laughs> you're a lawyer, maybe you're a banker, maybe you—you you are a person to whom written words have definite meanings um musk is in this kind of like post derrida landscape of you know what actually nothing means what you think it does i don't know if that's an accurate summary of derrida but uh it's it's kind of like you know if you are thinking about this in traditional terms along the lines of kind of what does a normal disputed merger agreement situation look like between a buyer and a seller you know you have templates right you have Post-COVID, you had um, some buyout funds and others suddenly being like, whoa, the market has fallen out underneath these companies that we agreed to buy. You had them going to court in some cases, or at least you know, towing up to the line of a trial starting. And then you kind of got a you know quick workout of, okay, we'll cut the deal by like a buck a share um, and we'll get this thing done. But this isn't really one of those situations anymore. Elon, I guess his gambit here was this bot issue right which he started off saying i'm gonna buy twitter and i'm gonna deal with the bot problem he was like this is the public square i kind of you know implicitly disagree with how it's being run i'm gonna change things and you know a big part of that was i want to clean out the bots and then all of a sudden he turns around a few weeks later and he's like guys it turns out there are bots here um (laughs) so it's it's kind of hard to say like you know
2: it's complicated because the question is whether there are more bots than mm. uh, Twitter knows or there are more bots than Twitter's investors know. And so mm. I think like for me, the most fascinating part of this is like Elon Musk is in a position to ultimately know the answer to that question. Right. He can find out the truth about Twitter's bots once he owns the company. And so like that is in pro- slightly problematic to the board and so this is why i kind of have this long-standing idea that like elon musk wants out of this deal and it's the, the board itself is in this really hard spot because if elon Musk buys a company and finds out there's a lot of bots that looks really bad on the current board whether or not he can do something about that is a separate question but it's true that once he owns the company he's in a better position to know what those bots look like so that's the first issue the second issue is that like elon musk might not be excited about going and testifying but neither are Twitter's. Twitter's board members. And there's lots of communication. We see some of this communication has already come out that makes Twitter boards members. And by the way, Elon Musk co-investors look really bad. So there's an entire complex working on this deal, including Twitter's own board members who don't have an interest, who have a sort of competing interest with their own shareholders and how far this gets pushed in court. So like there, there is this looming threat that Musk goes to court. The court says that they have to complete this deal and Musk buys the thing. And that is the only way that Musk is going to buy this thing. And that could still possibly happen. But that only happens if Twitter's own board members are interested in pushing it that far. And so I feel like that's the rub. And maybe you disagree with me. But, but where I come down on this is like, I don't think Twitter's board wants to push it that far. And I don't think they're going to because they have a conflicted interest that makes them look really, really
0: bad. Uh, yeah, I say? mean, look, I like if you were building an edifice to the glory of American corporate culture and and the kind of you know deal <laughs> the machineries that make deals work, like it would look right. nothing like this, right? Like this has just been sort of made the whole process look as bad as I think. Uh, kind of you know the cynics' view of how M and A works would would have kind of had it all along. Um, True, good point. I mean, it's it's difficult though, right? Because at the end of the day, you do meet some binding constraints, like the law ultimately is whatever a judge is going to enforce. and it seems like just as the kind of preliminaries to the trial were getting geared up, it didn't look like things were going great for musk. There was some kind of um you know we we saw some indications that he had had you know his crack team of data scientists or what have you kind of working on this and there was you know some difficulty uh, knocking down the the bot narrative, I guess you could call it from the Twitter side. Mm-hmm. but then again, like you say, like, once he owns the company, who knows what a fishing expedition looks like. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think you see part of this with, uh, you know, it's reported that he still wants to maintain the ability to, to kind of you know, sue the board post-close. So I think mm-hmm. maybe in Elon's mind, there's like this hero narrative, which is, you know, oh, God, okay, like the, the wheels of, of American crony capitalism have crushed me, uh, the heroic founder of Tesla once again. But, you know, I will have my day um and you know kind of rising <laughs> from the ashes here I will get to sue Egon Durban and everybody else and and they will all finally pay so I don't know like <laughs> I maybe <feel> like you...
2: <laughs> maybe I feel that you is have a copy of Elon Musk's diary and you just read it
0: yourself maybe I mean maybe that's that's the kind of thought process going on here again it's very difficult to speculate just because I mean like the biggest X factor in this whole thing is that Elon just seems to get bored. <laughs> like, yeah. you know he, he doesn't operate like the other yeah he doesn't exactly. operate
2: with patterns that we're accustomed to seeing right well this has been really fun thank you so much jonathan i really mm-hmm. appreciate your time chatting about it and good luck covering
1: the rest of the saga
0: good luck to everyone yeah um thanks so much lauren
1: thanks for tuning in this podcast was produced by thomas shum in hong kong and oliver tashlich in london subscribe to the views room and our sister podcast the exchange on cast megaphone or wherever you like to listen Check out our latest news on these stories and many others at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at BreakingViews.